this is 393 on 101.5. This is the radio show of Studio 393 located in downtown Winnipeg in the Skywalk by the Bay. This week's episode will feature a rebroadcast of an interview with Dion C. Haynes, aka Rampage, poet, also comedian, co-founder of Woke Comedy. So you can check that out as we celebrate Black History Month on this radio program. Few events to discuss. Uh, Diversify event that is 2019, February 8th, that's Friday, at Vincent Massey Collegiate, 6 to 9 p.m. It's free, brought to you by the Black History Month Committee. And the second annual Afro Prairie Film Festival is coming up on February 21st to the 24th at Cinematheque. 22 films from the diaspora. More information coming. Also, we feature a roundtable on music discussion from some of our youth and a foodies from the goodies, which is hosted by Talia. And they'll be talking about food and its cultural significance. So this is 101.5 UMFM interview with Dion C. Haynes. Thanks for listening. So, um, as an artist, where do you find your ideas or inspiration when it comes to your creations? Is there a something or a someone that helps you out with your process Mm -hmm. when you create those stuff? Oppression is a rich, rich, rich place to dig, (laughs) sadly. Um, I would love to do poetry and comedy about, like, only, you know the forest and the beach and sex but um that's just not my life Uh, so uh I sometimes find it a little um embarrassing as a writer with tons of ideas that a lot of things that I talk about are things that literally you know happen like the you know the idiot who's trying to touch my hair and you know just stuff like that um but you know, yeah, I will work for work with it for as long as I have the patience to. Um, and then just things that I see, and just I don't know, like my life, my life as a kid, my life being raised as a, you know, kid in this city with religion. I I feel like religion is a rich pot of comedic gold as well. Um,
Um, okay, so as a comedian, mm-hmm. when you perform, uh, do you do you um kind of have some sort of like etiquette that you want to teach like uh audiences? Like because we know, you know, not everyone has let's say respect <laughs> you know when they enter a comedy room mm-hmm. so do you have like some sort of like etiquette or guideline on what they could be doing as an audience to be like a more um generally i mean we, i recognize and I, the woke team recognizes that we are performing in a bar most of the time so people like we don't expect stone silence but we do expect like people to not be carrying on to the point where you can't hear yourself think um i love being super punk punk rock and telling people to shut the hell up when i'm on stage um because i need to because i you know what i just like and also for other comedians you know what i mean like i think it's important to recognize that this is your craft you're working on it um by all means if you need to like have a super loud obnoxious conversation go outside go to the other room um uh who's in the collective right now we have um of course Alyssa blackwolf kickson who's the other producer and co-founder of woke um there's daniel kaihara atiane diop rowan ebb um ugona chibo uh sasha mark uh leticia dyer um, Don Levand, uh, Zach Coffin, who is an amazing kid, um, Don's child. He's, they started a couple of months ago with us, which, and we totally welcome kids to come up on stage. Um, oh my goodness. Grammy moment, I'm forgetting people. Um. <laughs> it, it, it's fine. We can go back to that. Yeah. You could go and look online. Um, is there a place that people could look online for information of uh, woke comedy? Yeah, um, we have a Facebook page. Um, that sounded really archaic. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty analog, so um, that is my goal to slowly get better with the social media stuff. Um, but we do have a Facebook page. Okay, uh, and how do you you've alluded to uh young comedians mm-hmm. um and going into the crowd and asking if someone wants to go up mm-hmm. so you do have an open mic also that you're a part yeah. of yeah we have an open mic the first tuesday of every month at the goodwill so our next show is on the first i believe of december if that's a tuesday okay um or maybe the fourth I'll check. Um, and so that's... You said the t- first Tuesday, right? The first the, Tuesday. That's the 4th of December. The, the 4th of yeah, December. Yeah, okay, yeah. perfect. Thank you. And so sign up is at 7.30 um, and show starts at 8. Um, and truth is, like, a lot of times people say they don't want to perform and then at the last minute after they see a couple people, they're like, oh, wait, I want to go on. So, like, if somebody decides they want to go on at 8.15 or 8.30, as long as the show's still running, we will totally put them on. Okay. Uh, could you describe also how how do you decide what is going to be in your poetry versus it's going to develop into your com- comedy routine? Or is there a crossover? Sometimes there's a crossover. Sometimes I'll be writing. Um, 
sometimes I'll be writing uh, just ideas for stuff. Like I write, I write a lot of ideas down, um, just phrases that come to me, and um, and yeah, really truly the the brain decides which category they go into. Like it's it's like usually that's what happens. It's just like. Um, I don't know. It's the magic of synapses and neurons. It's very awesome. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask, um, with uh, the process that's involved with writing um, comedy specifically, it's, it seems like something to be very difficult to uh, uh, to reflect on and to to know, like, are other people gonna think this is funny, kind of thing. Like, do you have you have you uh, developed a, a process that you do for deciding what gets put in and, and what you don't put involve in there or include in the set? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I'm, I really hate writing essays, like a lot, like so much. I can't, I you could literally devote a show to how much I hate writing essays. But then I realized that um, creating a comedy set is like writing an essay, like you have to have um, some cohesiveness, like it needs to fit. Um, but sometimes I'm just kind of like, I'm just gonna talk about some random shit, and like I just, you know, it's, it's like my stage for ten minutes or seven minutes or five minutes, so I'm gonna do what I want. But I like things to have a flow in my head, like it needs to make sense to me first and foremost. Um, because that's who I'm responsible for. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you describe how you attain this? There, there has to be a certain rhythm in, in yeah. comedy, right? And and also in poetry. Yes. Um, but some people do not see the, the, the actual rhythm that is in comedy itself. So could you walk us through going through that process and how aggravating it actually is or just certain notes for young comedians that might be listening um i guess to finish your question too i often um i'll have something in my mind and then i'll see how the crowd is is responding and i'll either ramp it up <laughs> or i'll like veer off into another um section um but okay, sorry, Elliot. Can you rephrase the question? Because I I had it in my head and then it it went. Just talking about uh, the rhythm, the ebb and the flow of yeah. of of writing a routine. Yeah. And uh, what are the what's the skeleton of it for you, basically? Okay, got it. Thank you. Um, I feel it depends on what is most pressing for me. Like, um, okay, I'll, I'll give a really good example. I had a show last night, and uh, I, I really wanted to talk about this situation with um, white women saying how much they want black babies. And uh, because the situation happened, and it, like, worked my last nerve so hard, I was just like, I'm going to talk about this. Um, and I also knew I had a show coming up. And so um, I, I like to start with, I feel like a, a little rant appetizer <laughs> and then um, kind of wind down from there 
um, talk about like there's usually I can't think of the last time I did a set where I didn't talk about racism. Um, so yeah, I I tend to usually start with the I don't know this word the heavier stuff, but it's it's the whatever. So I usually start with that and then start with the um, and then continue on to usually like something uh, sex related. And I usually tend to close out the set um, with a with either a really good punch or just kind of like a more I don't like the term soft landing either, but. Yeah, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing poetry for practically your whole life, but mm -hmm. comedy only recently, but mm -hmm. still for a while. Is there any skills that you've developed with poetry over the years that tie into comedy? Because they're two separate art forms. They are, but I, f I feel for me, um, just being dedicated to writing um I have had parts in my life where I kind of uh didn't take a hiatus from writing but like didn't focus on it as much as like it's literally the thing I do when I wake up like I write when I wake up I have like paper pads in my bag I have notes on my phone I have notes all over my apartment I have pens in my bathroom pens by my bed so that that works for me um, there's, uh, I feel like you need to be able to nurture that relationship well and not take it for granted because it's a gift that's been given you. So if, if your thing is like speaking into your phone instead of writing, that's totally cool. Like, I'm not saying you need to go out and spend, you know, $10 on a pen or whatever. Uh, but, uh, and Dollarama has some good pens too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they do. Um, but, like, don't, don't take that relationship with your art or your arts for granted. Um, like, treat it as, you know, like, I don't know, a bag of Cool Ranch. Like, you <laughs> love it. You <laughs> love it. <laughs> So since we're on the topic of skills right now, mm -hmm. for those um, for those who are interested in starting into comedy, mm -hmm. uh, do you have any tips or insights that you want to share to them? There's a difference between being funny with your friends and being funny on stage. That is because, I'll, and I'll tell you why that came to me first when I... I had really wanted to go on uh, like to an open mic for a long time. And, you know, I had, you know, pushed down the dream and it came back up and I pushed it down. And then there was one evening where I was like, yeah, I'm a poet. I can just roll up on there and I'll be fine. And then as I was putting my shoes on, I was like, uh, hey, dummy, um, not so much. Like, there's a difference between delivering poetry with my book clutched to my chest and, you know, realizing that comedy is, is a completely different form. So... And yes, you are funny with your friends, but you do have to reformulate that because your friends aren't the only people in the crowd. And I found for myself, I wouldn't even tell my friends. <laughs> so a lot of times, like, I didn't have my friends in the crowd. So you need to, you need to twerk, you know, 
twerk your timing or or like your delivery or your you know your thought process has to be on because you're on stage and you may have to also prepare for stage fright did you did you have to battle stage fright I think I battle anxiety more than stage fright. Ah, so it's yeah. the whole build up beforehand. Yeah. What, yeah. What's what's the most anxious? Uh, what aspects of of performing makes you the most anxious, or the process gets you the most anxious? Um, and how did you how do you overcome that? Because people <laughs> performers deal with anxiety all the time. Yeah, yeah. I feel there are days that I feel that I'm not. I'm just like you're just bitching about the same shit all the time. Um. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I want it to stop. <laughs> um, and also too, like humans, we're we're a unique and magical template, and I think it's very important to work with what you have. And so, um, yeah, there there are times that I feel like you know, especially when I see somebody else, I'm like, oh my god, I want to be like them, and it's just like, well, no, because you're you. Mm. So that's a lot of work on its own, um, and you can never work at being somebody else because then you're just working in the wrong direction. Oh, I like that. Um, what's what's where do you see this going? And, and this goes with uh, this could be broken up into three ways. Um, Let's go with woke uh, mm-hmm. comedy mm-hmm. Uh, and also with your poetry and you as a comedian. Um, answer in any way you'd like in any order. Okay. So woke. My biggest goal right now is to get this festival off the ground. Okay. I'm a horrible planner. Okay. Horrible. So that's fun. Um, I I'm the only, you know, like, we're the only ones who can do it. Like, so um, we want to have a festival next year. um, And we are really blessed to have some pretty big names who said they would come. So that's super exciting. Um, More improv work. Alyssa is a trained improv artist as well. And I feel like there's this weird hate on for for improv in the comedy scene in the stand-up comedy scene which i don't understand because you need improv (laughs) like if you're an artist you need improv Uh, so we would like to put on um more uh more workshops um touring for some of the comedians for me i'm kind of i'm not really tied to university but i would like to finish that's some decade before my 50th or 80th or 60th birthday, one of those three. Um, so, um, but I wouldn't mind going on a little tour. For poetry, I'm working on a, an album right now. Um, yeah, my, my relationship with poetry is very, very, very insular. Like I... Like, it's almost like I'm content to just write and write and write, but like you, at some point I feel I have to perform. So, um, yeah. So writing is a big part of your day. You must have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks on I it. do. Let's say maybe your house gets on fire and all those previous 
like you lose that would you just move on or anymore or do you have like a connection with that I have a connection to them and um, it's pretty much the only thing that I become anxious about when I think about moving to another part of the world uh, close F that um, but definitely my my um, my weapons of mass destruction I can't I I I would have to move on because you can't read ashes. Um, so <laughs> um, it's it's a very good practice to to figure out like because a lot of times I think you know it's just like we well, have these volumes and volumes of stuff and that those volumes of stuff came from came from me you know as an artist they come from you so like. Really, the goal is to keep the brain from catching on fire versus, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd probably cry like heaps, but I'd keep writing. So, but I would be mad as hell. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Um, do you have anything for us to hear right now? Oh, yes. Let me get into my bag of tricks. Okay, cool. Uh, this one is called 1967-68. A place you move to where instead of readily killing your son, you watch them kill other mother's sons. This is not a move up. This is not an improvement. I know you thought things would be better, but they are not. How did you endure the attempts of assassination of your soul? What disfraction made you think this was a safe place for your children? And then to not wish your childhood on them to want better and yet still try to beat the black out of them. That cloak we wear, it doesn't unfasten easily. You know the night sky moves when it's good and goddamn ready. The sun will have its day soon enough, but until then, sweet darkness. It is needed for rest, for the goodness to soak in, to dream. It's the way it affords the shining in the sun the glow under these ceaseless rays. You can't rush beauty. You can't hurry magnificence. Um, I'm just going to read this last one. Uh, I wasn't writing for a really long time. Um, writing poetry, I kind of uh, had some things happen and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so this, this was my... Um, this is what came to me over the course of several months during a really bad time, and uh, it was my recommitment to poetry. So it's called Missionary Position. What you call blasphemy is sacred to me. Here I come bearing gifts of the sun, daughter of the moon, in tune to the planet's rhythm where we used to roam, sand dunes, forests thick and bogs with runes, swooning from our heady tunes until we were sold, stole, and with bloody, dablo bloody doubloons boldly told that we weren't gold. And you dare call me pagan, heathen, in your filthy tongue, and not add wondrous creature, human, spirit, deity. Because your piety makes no sense to me, I laugh at your sobriety because you mean nothing to me, so that I can survive the soil you wish to spoil, the seed you wish to wreck, like your ships filled with shit and piss. You no longer hear that sweet hiss of the snake, the change you refuse to make. Something's at stake, what is it? Your life ruined ours as you tied us to it, forbade and burned us like husks. You rust, oxygenate, and rate. 
is it worth it? While we mate, create, and debate, you choose to frustrate hate and live in the basement without seeking the root cellar of your soul and put your hand to my neck, expecting it to break and snap while it sings screamingly, seemingly at your rage, my rage, the outrage that you have the gall to call my salvation. Thank you. Do you ever feel exhausted? Oh shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying you, you're touching on 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 topics of like what topics do you touch on for the most part? Like just just briefly go over them. Poetry is a lot of um, trying to just just the rage of not knowing exactly where I'm from a lot of times. Mm, okay, um, because when you like living here and having people say go back to where you came from mm-hmm. and it's just like a where the fuck are you from how did you get here <laughs> and b are we on the radio now <laughs> yeah i could edit all this okay. don't worry about it i'm not um, going to but um that's a very enraging thing to yeah. look at some to have somebody say go back to where you came from and somebody who looked like them is is partially responsible for the reason why your parents came here um like my auntie has a papaya tree growing in her front yard. She doesn't want to fuck with snow. <laughs> um, True. So my poetry is a lot about shit like that. Um, and also like a, just like trying to like excise that rage of, of being here, but also like loving the land because I genuinely love the planet. Mm. Um, plants very much so sometimes more than people Um, but yeah so that's a lot of my poetry a lot of my comedy um, like basically I got into comedy to to make fun of not being oppressed but make fun of oppressive forces Um, um yeah, so I, uh, and I also think there there's a time to be like sly, but there's a time to basically point your finger at the person that's um, trying to fuck with your shit and say, yeah, I know it's you and I'm letting everybody else know it's you too. Um, because there's so many times, I think one of the things that blows me away is when people come up to me and, and say things like, oh God, I'm so glad I came here. I thought I was losing my mind. Like, there are a lot of people walking on this planet who feel like they're losing their mind because we're going through things that, um, that um, you know, and especially as a woman-identified person, we're, we're taught to, like, be polite, whatever the hell that means, um, and to, you know, take it with grace. <laughs> no, no, if somebody slapped me in the face, I wouldn't take it with grace. So why would I take any of the other verbal social soulful assaults in the same manner i'm not saying i'm gonna put my hands on somebody today but i'm going to you know like (laughs) i'm really there you know there are days when you you're shaking it's it's like your cells are shaking you're not even mad your cells are mad so um 
And God knows they love to lock us up. So I have to find ways to, you know, sometimes go home early. And it's just like, okay, the public meter is done. <laughs> um, but um, let's go back to the original question. Yes. Writing what you write. Yes. Going constantly into those feelings, dipping yes. into them, into that Exhausted, pool. Yes. Yeah. Do you do you get exhausted? Yeah, I'm. There are days I feel like I'm just like, holy shit, how are you still walking around? Um, but my promise to myself was to stop when I'm like when my intuition says to stop. Uh, and there are days that that means it's just like a quick three day hiatus and we'll see if it turns into anything longer. But yeah, at this time, like as as for me, the as long as I feel like writing, that's the thing. If I don't feel like performing, I will deal with that when it comes. All right. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, and, everybody. Uh, yeah, this is uh, 101.5 UMFM. This is 393. Uh, we just spent some time with Dion C. Haynes, a.k.a. Rampage. Yeah, you were listening to 101.5 UMFM, Peak by the OB playing in the background. You just heard an interview with Dion C. Haynes, a.k.a. Rampage, poet, comedian, living in the city of Winnipeg, Trinidadian and Tobagan heritage, identifies as a black queer woman, writes from that perspective. Check her out around town on whenever you get a chance in whatever place that you are listening. Again, this is 101.5 UMFM. This is 393, the radio program of Studio 393. We are located in the Skywalk of Portage Place. Offering programs in music, dance, and visual arts. So please come down Monday to Friday, 4 to 8. It's free. Our next segment features... Talia, Josh, as well as Sky trying out something different. It's our music panel, round table, discussing matters that are they find interesting and want to talk about, such as deportation of 21 Savage, uh, R. Kelly, and uh, that documentary and the things that go along with that as well. Uh, so it was interesting to listen to them because I had a conversation after that discussion with uh, a few of the staff as well as some of the youth. Um, which was very, very needed uh, as well. Um, so this is 101.5 UMFM, our music panel. Welcome back to 101.5 UMFM. You're listening to This is 393. We're all sitting here today, and we don't actually have a guest, but uh, we're just sitting here to talk about what's been going on in, in music lately. And as it turns out, our... Our favorite trap artist, 21 Savage, has uh, has turned out to not be who we thought he was and is uh, currently in the process of being deported to the UK because he was apparently born in the Dominica, uh, which is a British colony. So when people are born, they're able to choose to, to claim British citizenship, which... I guess helps somehow with the 
process of getting to the states um i don't i don't know all the details about that myself so don't quote me on on any of that but uh but what do you guys think about this about about 21 savage being deported when you say being deported like i mean because i was on instagram a couple of hours ago and like i see a lot of rappers like a lot of rappers who are actually like popping like that out there like they even do the GoFundMe for Tenon Savage. Young Thug a couple of minutes ago posted, Oh, uh, don't worry, Tenon Savage, we got you. The quality control CEO was like, uh, we're gonna hit up the big people. I don't know who what you meant by the big people, but like I feel this deporting thing wouldn't really last 'cause like I mean Tenon Savage has people that are in power they're in place to like you know help him out so i feel like i mean no man no no i see a lot of go on me i see pictures i see it's everywhere man they can't no man they can't no 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 please i don't think so man it just hot right now it's just not yet though uh, um <coughs> what do i think of the 21 savage situation it seems like it seems that it's a weird predicament because if 21 Savage is paying his taxes and he's a really big rapper and he's in the USA, why wouldn't they want him? Why would they try to deport him, you know, because of his, his income and obviously have to pay those taxes. So it just seems like a massive L to deport him or have him in ICE. But yeah. And like I mean, a couple of years back, he was put in like he was put in jail, right? Yeah. And they never even raised it up. Like, why now? I don't like that. Like, something sound doesn't make sense with that. Like, like, like Ellie was was mentioned that before, and I was I was thinking that when I saw the story, like that he he wasn't that he had, like border hopped. It was that he overstayed his visa. Like I know, like but but is what if you are visiting a country on a visa and you get arrested there? Are you not? supposed to be sent back like, like isn't that their response like generally you're supposed to be sent back immediately like yeah like they would see that you're, you're literally on probation once you have a visiting visa a visiting visa why like that that doesn't make sense to me i don't know i don't know if you guys have any other and we have what's her name demila demi lovero whatever did you see the push oh students? uh she took yeah like she got so much backlash she was uh when she was going through her her heroin whatever her drug phase right mm. a lot of people you know as much as like people were like saying shit but like a lot of, she had a lot of support from a lot of rappers right and now 21 savage is going through shit and she goes on twitter and she's like the only thing keeping me going in this super bowl time is the memes from 21 savage yeah i mean like you know what though like i don't i don't appreciate um that she's you know someone who's an artist and and someone who's understands what it's like right? to be under the public eye like that and then to also react the way but also feel like a lot of people who are trying to say like oh like don't like disrespect 21 i feel like a lot of them are also retweeting those same memes and honestly though but yeah it's funny i wouldn't lie the memes are funny <laughs> as hell this is exactly I, what i'm saying I'm, I'm, I, I come on i have to retweet a couple but like you know like she even deactivated her account because of like that's kind of crazy to me that someone at the size of of uh of a demi lovato would be i i feel like she would have had plenty of times in the past that she's dealt with much yeah. worse hate than 
simply right. like making a tweet that people didn't like, you know. And now you're hearing the news about Tory saying that he's the biggest rapper everywhere. I don't know. Tory's here and there saying he's the best. Like I listen to Tory, right? Yeah. I've been listening to Tory for a while, and Tory on my end is one of the most talented, ra- like talented artists in the world. Artist. Like Tory raps, Tory sings, Tory has, Tory can stick to a flow. Like, <laughs> come on, man, you don't. What did you think about Tory and Joyner? Well, like, I'm a fan of Tory, but like, I wouldn't lie, Joy, Joy, um, Jonah Lucas, whatever, like, he, he bodied, he bodied <laughs> Tory, man. Like, he literally carried him on his, on his back, man. Like, I'm your dad, man. Let's go, like, let's go to school. But, like, one of Tory's comeback was really, like, it's a really, he had a really nice flow, but Johnny, Johnny was <laughs> straight up, man. Like, I'm yeah. your poppy, he said. Uh, uh, what? I'm your poppy. <laughs> that was great. What do you think about uh, what do you think about R. Kelly, man? Apparently, he's been uh, he's been banned from Philadelphia. We're talking about R. Kelly. I'm just kidding, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just for the record, I have not actually seen the documentary. I'm I I'll, I'll speak on the topic because even before the documentary came out, um, this was all very well documented in general, and everyone has known for a long time about all this so i don't think missing the documentary is um leads to necessarily being misinformed uh, or uninformed but sorry i mean what bothers me about the R. kelly thing is the fact that when like the parents give them the kids the go ahead if you look at the documentary i don't just well the parents were fine with all this i think their parents I th- well i think Aaliyah's parents were fine with her working with R. Kelly, and they thought. I think originally, um, it was. It, it just seemed like it was just like a super talented, famous singer was helping out this upcoming artist, uh, for no other apparent reason, just than he just wanted to help her out. I think that was generally like he just saw he saw something in her. He saw that she had a gift and that she was crazy talented. Um, I think that was what it looked like originally. I don't think his his parents knew. His parents got, because they they actually got legally married, R. Kelly and Aaliyah. And I think, I can't remember the exact time now for how long they were married, but it didn't last long. The parents got that, like, I don't even know if that would be annulled or something different because she was it was an illegal marriage i don't even know if that would count as as being so like they eloped or something yeah they the, they're not married they got the marriage canceled i don't know what the proper term would be when it's yeah yeah but um but yeah i don't think that they knew about it but i think uh yeah they 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 liked him at first because he was helping out he was helping out their girl but yeah and right now like they're only targeting R. Kelly. Like, how about the people that helped him? Like, there are a lot of monsters involved in this case. I think peop- I think some people are catching like some some heat. R. Kelly. I don't think R. Kelly as a person would go out there to go talk to these girls in person. He would send someone. Like, people would organize these girls for them. Like, how about those people? Like, we don't talk about them. We just talk about the guy. 
Like like his manager, it was his manager that was helping. I think it was his manager that helped him get a Aaliyah and a couple of young girls like that's. Well, I know a lot of artists in general who have been, who have collaborated with R. Kelly in general have been catching heat. I don't know about that particularly, so I won't make comment on that. But so like I mean, Jay Z has a record with. Yeah. Jay Z was friends with R. Kelly since then. Why didn't Jay Z say anything about this? Like, Jay-Z was... He never... Why? Like, why? I no, that's the thing. Like, you'd... Why? You'd think if you're working with someone and then you'd catch Jay-Z on that they're getting into all this... If I'm working with someone, I feel I would know a little bit or two about... If I'm working with him in the studio, I would know a little thing or two. Like, Jay-Z never raised anything up. Yeah. Why did all these rappers... Why is it now that they're deciding to take out their mu- music? Like, they work with him, right? What's his name? Uh... Uh... Chance the rapper is taking down oh, his yeah. music from all platforms. Like, why didn't he take it out since? Why is it now that all the shit is happening? Yeah, I like, remember that song when Chance came out. Now, come like, on, cause like, I was it a just, it just, I don't know though. I don't, I'm not trying to like, but I don't know, man. Like, all of you were working with this guy in the past, like, and you, you obviously knew all this, and then you're waiting for just one person to just spark up, so all of you can just pour out. Come on, man. Like, the it's hell? the mob mentality, I think. Every like the the documentary came out and then Twitter picked it up and then everyone was like, Okay, now it's okay to hate R. Kelly. Like exactly, like it's like there's a time frame for when you can hate someone. Yeah. Like the hell they made come on man, like they made their songs, became famous, like made some money from that song and now the song isn't popping anymore, so they're deciding to cut I don't know man, that I don't know man. So, I remember uh, watching Boondocks as a kid and seeing the R. Kelly episode. Um, I remember seeing, he, hearing uh, the conversation between R. Kelly's lawyer and Huey. Um, and Huey was from the, from the stance of, look, man, like, I'm, I think, I don't remember if he was like, Supposed the character was supposed to be the same age as that girl was at the time or like similar, but he was basically saying like like look man if a grown man is Trying to do something like this to me I'm gonna walk away and that was sort of the It was saying like man like this girl's old enough to to know how to how to walk away from that It's not really a comparable uh not even comparable. It's not. I don't think it's very valid. But I'm a 20-year-old male, so we might have a better perspective to hear from on on something like this. So, Talia, uh, we haven't heard from you yet. What, what what's your whole thought on your whole opinion on all this? Um, I really didn't know about the R. Kelly situation until everything started coming up, and how. And I really find it disgusting how an older man is picking up all these underage girls and me being an underage girl and hearing about all these like pedophiles and stuff i it's just really bad and how the parents thought it was okay because they didn't know and then now they know and it's just i when i watched like this stuff on the news and on instagram um all over social media i was just kind of like taken back at it um just hearing like oh she was 14 right 14 year old um, people girls especially girls who are underage and say you're like 
a pop sensation or something and you come up to them they're very easily manipulated is that the word right um, not manipulated but like um, impressionable yeah you can be like hey um i can make you a big star if you just follow my lead i'll t- t- tell you what to do and they'll be like oh yeah i get to be famous i get to do this and this and this but then really really bad things can happen to you um like worse things not just like what he did like there could have been worse things that happened to these girls but really he just did some really inappropriate things to them at that they could be dead they could be sold off like it's r kelly everyone knows r there kelly people know r kelly wasn't there also accusations about him being involved with human trafficking to some degree at least i'm not like this there's a lot of layers there's it 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 uh, spans a very long period of time that this was taking place and that it was publicly known and kind of ignored. But I'm, I'm pretty sure there was something about that. But I, this has been 393. You're listening to 101.5 UMFM. Peace. This is 101.5 EMFM. This is 393. What you just heard in the prior segment was something that, that we're trying out. It's the music roundtable panel of sorts, talking about things that are significant to the youth and the participants that come by. Uh, just a few topics that they wanted to jet out and talk about. I'd also like to thank uh, Dion C. Haynes for dropping by a few months ago. That is the co-founder of Woke Comedy, as well as a poet, comedian, talking about stories uh, from her perspective as a black queer woman living in the city of Winnipeg and what that means, uh, how that is impacted in her existence and telling those experiences. Whatever mode you could use to tell your story and to get things off your chest or to cause change or to alleviate your soul, let that be. We at Studio 393 provide that space for youth, in dance, for music, as well as visual arts. So come down Monday to Friday, 4 to 8 p.m. It is Black History Month. There are a few events that we should discuss here. Uh, The Black History Month Committee brings to you Diversify event. That is February 8th at Vincent Massey Collegiate. 6 to 9 p.m. It is free. Catered food, though, is not. There's also the second annual Afro Prairie Film Festival, February 21st to 24th at Cinematech. 22 films we are ending tonight with a segment from Talia one of our interns uh, who brings to you a a panel about food and culture and significance of food and bringing people together and so on and so forth it's it's really good it was her brainchild this is her podcast Uh, we finish it up with the electrifying single from Boogie the Beat as well as Snotty Nose Rez Kids why don't you like ketchup um, I I don't like I don't like the way ketchup smells when it when it dries out on a plate. Agreeable, it's disgusting. It makes, it makes me it must feel be gay. sick. Does that mean you like mustard? Also, if I'm gonna put a sauce, if I'm gonna put a, a sauce on something, it's generally gonna be hot sauce. Hot sauce. Mustard is a different thing because mustard mustard is essentially like it's mustard disgusting. is a pickle. Do you like sushi? So mustard, mustard, you're going for, um, 
mustard, you're you're going for an acid, right? An acidity level. Mustard whereas, is nasty. I like whereas ketchup is just sugar. Ketchup is delicious. I can like shove it all in my mouth. Three, <coughs> two, one. This is 101.5 UMFM, and this is Foodies for Goodies, and I'm your host, Talia. And these are my guests. I'm Daddy Tay. I'm Tessa. I'm Pip. So, first question for y'all. What's your cultural background? I'm half Ojibwe, half Caribbean. I'm Métis. I'm a white guy. What's your favorite cultural food and why? Um, I like moose meat because you can make stew out of it. So good. But also bannock because you can dunk it in your moose meat stew. I enjoy bannock because there's so many different ways you can make it, but my grandma's is the best. So. Okay. What was your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> What's your favorite cultural food and why? Okay. Um, well, I... I never, uh, like, uh, for my own family, and we never really had any sort of cultural identity. Um, when, we briefly, we lived in Dauphin for a while, and, and then my mom learned how to make pierogies. And so, as a kid, I, I think that I really, uh, I really like pierogies. But then... Um, at a young age, I became vegetarian, and, and that led me to all sorts of different foods that um, that I that that are are what I sort of foods that I that I gravitate to still today. Like I would say, different curries. If I had to choose one thing, I'm gonna eat curry of some sort. I'm Joshua Watman. Uh, so my dad is Canadian and my mom's Brazilian. I don't know, Canadian, it's sort of hard to pick just because I s grew up and lived in Canada. So I don't know, I ate a lot of stuff here. Brazilian, like when you're in Brazil, you'll basically always be eating rice and beans and like some kind of meat, some kind of sauce with it. And then it's, it's basically just thrown together like that by, you know, your mom or whatever. So yeah, rice and beans with like chicken. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Also they have uh, this stuff called doce de leite, which is like a milk caramel kind of thing. It's basically like you cook sweetened condensed milk. Super dope. Do you guys know how to make your favorite cultural food? No. Uh, do I feel bad about it? Slightly. Do I want to make it? Do I want to learn how to make it? Kinda. But then it involves a lot of flour, and I don't like flour on my clothes. That's why you have an apron. Um, that doesn't exist in, an, in uh, a household like mine? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I make my food? Can you make your favorite food? Oh, no. Because every time I watch my grandma, she's always just like, oh, that's good enough. But then I'm like, 
Is that one cup or three? I don't. It's. Like I can't tell. Then I try and even it out, and it just it doesn't rise like it should. You know? Yeah, and it's really crumbly. I don't know. It doesn't turn out good. It, I tried. What about you? Hip. Um. Yeah. I mean, I take. I I, lo I love cooking, and I take a lot of. I take a lot of time and effort into understanding how f how certain foods are made, especially the ones that I want to eat. Um, but but there is there's something nice about not knowing how a food is made, because um, then you can go somewhere and enjoy it thoroughly. I think once you start learning about how foods are made and 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 how to execute them, it takes a lot of the pleasure out of out of eating them when you're eating ones that maybe don't live up to your standard or or uh or even there's just the mystery is is gone if that makes sense when did you learn how to make your food i mean how to cook um i i grew up with a single mom and who uh who had to work and so um, it was my job to cook for supper for my sisters and my mom and I. Uh, I mean, I have earlier memories of cooking with my grandma and stuff, but um, and then and then ultimately becoming vegetarian when I was younger. My mom was like, "Screw you! Like, I'm not gonna cook f for you. I don't have time for that." Which led me to finding, like, reading recipes and finding, and then I, I mean. The, the sort of excitement and freedom of, of really knowing how to cook, like not just not just being able to like not burn a grilled cheese sandwich, but like really, really like cooking. I find it I find it exciting to like um, to have those those sort of to know those sort of, to have those skills and techniques that that allow you to um, do that. And it's it's a nice way to it's a cooking is a way to sh like a it's a love language like it's a way to show people that you care and uh, and if you can cook something really nice for someone that's a, a special thing do you know how to make your cultural food um not like my mom does but like i can do it kind of yeah do you feel bad that you can't make it as well as your mom? No, because, like, I don't think anyone can cook like their mom can. <laughs> I think that's a given, but, like, I, I'm, I'm all right with it. Okay. So this is the last question. How does food play a role in culture? Uh, food brings people together. Um, where uh, people gather over, over food, people heal with food. Um... People are able to pass tradition and teachings on through food, um, and and food food is something that uh, that I mean as uh, as people we identify we identify with uh, as in terms of um, uh, like I I I I see my myself as the type of person. 
of, of like what I eat and what I love to eat. It, it identifies me as a, as who I am for sure. Um, uh, and, um, I mean, even to, like singing about, about something like a pierogi, like it seems like every culture has, a something wrapped in dough, like whether it's an empanada or a samosa or a dumpling, um, a roti, there's something like, you know, um, but I mean, I, I don't know what that has to do with anything. I think I'm just like thinking about all the delicious foods I want to eat. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, um, when I did my English exam, one of them was on indigenous, indigenous. It was more on art. Well, in the article, um, his mom taught him how to how to. So she taught him how to fillet a fish, but without no words, she just put the fish down, cut it, hung it, and put it on sticks and put it on a stone, like, oven. And just turned around and told him, hey, like, I'll be back in, like, in 10 minutes. Have it done. He didn't know what he was doing because you don't get taught with words. You don't get taught by steps. Like, most people, when they teach people, they go, here, this is what you do with the knife. She just left him and was here. So it kind of teaches us younger kids, we shouldn't always have to like listen to, to learn. We have to always like watch. That way, like when you're working, you don't need your boss to like tell you step by step or when you're in life, step by step. You gotta know how to do it yourself. Have like your own balance in art and like lifestyle. Thank you guys for attending this podcast. You are listening to UMFM 101.5, and this was Foodies for Goodies.